Hello, everyone. This is Olivia um, for the You Know What I Mean podcast, and this is our first episode. I'd like to introduce you to my guest, Nora. Hey, guys. <laughs> um, so basically, just to kind of explain what the whole podcast is going to be about is I'm envisioning kind of just each new episode bringing a different um, perspective and a different passion, and we can talk like almost like it's over dinner, just very casually about very like intellectual and intriguing things. Um, yeah, so we don't really, we definitely know that we're gonna look back on this, and this will, be, <laughs> well, this will be cringy, like we know, and it's kind of like awkward. But you gotta just embrace it. Yeah, know? it's awkward, like acknowledge, like knowing that you're making it, <laughs> making cringe, but. I mean, you gotta start, you gotta start somewhere. So yeah. So basically, um, oh, by the way, oh. um, we that song that just opened up the podcast was "Movie" by Tom Mish. Um, um, just want to clarify that it literally, it literally wasn't. What? No, what that that was not it. What? <laughs> so oh, we changed it. We, we changed we, it. I we falsely, we just falsely, um, uh, gave credit to <laughs> Tom Mish, but. That was Quarter of Dreams by Rex Orange County. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> um, so, okay, the name of the podcast. You know what I mean. Why, why name it that? You, you might say ask. It. I say it so, so much, much. So much. And I think that there's, like, a deeper, like, need for people to, like, for, like, personal acceptance and stuff like that <laughs> after, after I say anything. Some deeply rooted issues Some there. deeply but... rooted issues, but I just say it as a filler. And I think that actually... Um, it's kind of ironic because it's so, um, it's so informal, but at the same time, like, is at the root, like, like, the things that I say before it is oftentimes, like, super duper, like, like, abstract. Yeah. Which, Mm -hmm. in some ways, I think reflects, not just our generation, but youth, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and so I just thought it would be, like, a cute little thing we got going. Um... And I just, and I find it to be something like just an exchange of ideas, which I, yeah, I love and it's so exciting. So yeah, um, I don't know at the moment. What do you think? Do you think that okay. people should swear? Do you think that just, I should swear? Just in general? No, on the, on the podcast, on the podcast. Here's my thing. I don't understand swearing. I never have. I, I don't really get why we've just decided to like pick words and make them bad. Mm. Um, I also feel like. You're trying to get across messages in an informal way and yeah. communicate through the way that we as teenagers just typically communicate, which I think is really cool. I swear in my day-to-day life. So if you're trying to do that, hey. But also yeah. you don't want to like cut out. I don't know. I just Because like, I don't think that's ever been – like nobody's ever really gone against that. It's more just like restricting the audience and right. like exactly. you know, stuff like that. So yeah. I – I don't know. I'm still playing with it. If you know, you hear the f bomb like maybe 40 minutes in. You heads up. You definitely figured out that I've decided to do that randomly. <laughs> um, so we're not sure about that. But basically, Nora's here to talk about her passion, which is acting and theater and film and stuff like that. Yes. And I think that this is actually a very cool place to start because at its core, it's about like communication. It's about communication between cultures and stuff like that. So um, why why acting? Um, I mean, a lot of reasons. I, I love acting. I think it's a great way of sharing stories and bringing, I've talked about, like, I've written some things for college applications about, um, just about 
basically you're bring being able to bring two per- cute two perspectives together mm-hmm. um and you're sharing something else uh with someone and people come together to watch a show and i just think it's a really um uniting thing and it's also a great medium for sharing messages and i also think there's a right. lot of value in just entertainment sorry i won't talk anymore oh, yeah. <laughs> um i yeah i agree i mean i love plays and i love movies and stuff like that and i think um, I read this book, that th- you also read it, The Things That Carry yeah. by Tim O'Brien, and there was just one chapter that really just stuck with me, and it's called How to Tell a True War Story. And basically the premise is obviously about war and um, and about like the tragedy of war and how, to, how you really have to, how because the average person cannot even fathom like the emotional like depth of experiencing war, then in order to communicate it like on paper and stuff like that in order to tell a true war story you might need to lie you might need, it might sound almost fantastical you might need to exaggerate mm-hmm. in order to get across like a deeper truth yeah. and that has just stuck with me like both in my writing and like it, in like in any type of storytelling mm-hmm. um and that also like goes with um I don't know like I just like my family is from Appalachia I go there um most summers and it's just the, the types of stories that I see there are very different from my own life right now. But in the same way, like, I connect with, um, like, you find certain idiosyncrasies that you connect with. You find certain foods. You find, you find um, certain patterns in which, like, I can completely understand, like, my roots and where I came from. And I feel like in many ways that is also, like, the communication aspect of what acting is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that is such a cool point. Um, sorry, that was like really not helpful. Okay. <laughs> what a great, what a great one. one. <laughs> Zero on a Socratic <laughs> seminar. Um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, okay. Let's talk about some. Let's talk about some of your favorite actors. Okay, I'd yeah. love to. Yeah, because I think that like, not just because this this seems like a very lazy question, but I actually think it's super interesting. Yeah. And each actor is super different, mm-hmm. and I think that they convey a different aura so yeah yeah. um okay so I have I have a few favorite actors so one I think my first one that I would gravitate toward is Emma Stone I've just always loved her um I really like her as a person just like as a personality I think she's super nice but then also she's a really just she does a really good job at picking out little details of people and bringing them out and communicating personalities like in what um like in well uh Netflix just released a show called Maniac and uh, in it, she plays a character that goes through these sort of dream series. And so she mm-hmm. gets to play. It's cool because she gets to play her, her character, which is the, the lead of the story. And then at the same time, she plays different characters throughout those dreams. So you get to kind of watch her transform through all these different people. And I think it's just really beautiful to watch her transformations. Um, I also see that in like Meryl Streep. And Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath classics. Ledger. Oh, classics. And they're all just, like, so good at really, like, transforming themselves in other people. But it's so right. natural. Yeah. And you and it still feels like, like, there's, and there is a difference, though, I would say, between Emma Stone, who she plays really cool characters, but her personality is still present through all of them, which is just a really, like, infectious personality. And then Meryl Streep, who really just, like, is you a don't completely know. different yeah. person. Yeah, which is so But there's cool room for both. There's, oh, 100%. It's, it's just two yeah. different types of acting, almost. Yeah, yeah. And, and, not, and like, you would automatically, like, gravitate towards Meryl Streep, who, like, of course, a complete transformation is ideal. But 
like the idea of having Emma Stone, like she was casted for that reason. You exactly. Know what I mean? Exactly. And she can she can fully transform with a part of her too. Yeah, and there are different forms of acting, like like um, there there's a type of acting where let's say you're playing a real life person, you could play that person and try to imitate them per- perfectly, right? Or you could do the sort of the um, Tim O'Brien things they carried form of acting where you get across the essence of the person, yeah. but you don't necessarily act like them, sound like them. Yeah. Yeah, we, we watched a uh, YouTube video. Yes. Um, and it was just, like, diving Unwired. in. Yeah, on why and, and diving into the different accents of people. And one of them was about accents and, like, how successful they were about accents. Another one was about the um, idiolects, so, like, specific dialects of, like, individuals, such as when um, um, what, Jackie, in the movie Jackie, um, when Natalie Portman played, oh, uh, yes. yeah, um, uh-huh. Jackie Kennedy, yes. um, when she literally, it was so ingrained, the type of, like, her accent, the individual's accent. And then the third one was about made-up languages, and which, again, like, obviously, like, linguistics is just such a different, like, take on communication yeah. and how different cultures came to be, and it's so intriguing, really. Yeah. Um, that... In that same um, YouTube video, mm-hmm. we saw Heath Ledger and yes. in one of our favorite movies, Brokeback Mountain. Such a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Um, <laughs> and recipes. Um, and he had, like, they were talking about his oral posture, oh, his yeah. literal shape of his mouth, mm-hmm. and how it completely transformed to be that Southern accent that was necessary to really... It was so tight is the best way I can describe it, mm-hmm. which really mirrored almost, like, the tightness of his throat when he was right. getting emotional. And the, and the like, it literally mirrored the story, the con- the confining, um, like, society that he was placed into with the different, um, with being, like, homosexual and stuff like that. Right. It was so beautiful. And, it, and there's so many different parts of language that can completely mirror, like, a story because, in essence, that is why that language is being like said if that makes sense like the story is the origin of what's being said (laughs) no yeah and and things like that may seem like tiny tiny pieces to that story yeah but it really comes back to like like something like that is like like you said so rooted in just like who that person is that it, it makes that person more relatable and tiny things like that are what really make actors so good which is really really cool to watch and I think that's what one of the most amazing things about acting is you just have to be so interested in people yeah and um yeah it's pretty amazing and um a little uh FYI I know that we do say like a lot we are um teenage girls and that is completely like (laughs) we understand we're working on it we know that's not the best but yeah yeah. we'll get We'll get, we'll, we'll get there. Our production is a little weak as well, but we're we're working on it. We're investing our time, so <laughs> we're we're gonna get there. Um, another yeah. Also, Jesse Eisenberg is another mm. way to act. Yeah, that's 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 just kind of like going back to that thing that I was saying before about those two types of ways. He he uh plays. Oh, what is his name? He plays the CEO of Facebook in the Social Network, and um, Mark Zuckerberg. Sorry. And he does a really cool thing where he doesn't sound... So Mark Zuckerberg has a very, like, unique way of speaking. And Jesse Eisenberg doesn't sound like that necessarily in the movie. But he speaks in, like, a really clipped way yeah. that represents um, Jesse Eisenberg... Or Mark Zuckerberg's, sorry, way personality. of... Personality and way of thinking and how he gets things done. And it's so essential to, like, moving the plot it mir- forward. Yeah, it mirrors yeah. his um, abruptness yeah. and his... 
almost like savagery almost. No, really. Yeah. And you and you can't get into someone's mindset in a movie, so things like that communicate that to the audience, which is really cool. Yeah. Um moving from actors, like I kind of want to just talk about films in general and um one of my favorite films is Gran Torino um with Clint Eastwood and the reason why I like it is because so basically Clint Eastwood if you haven't seen it is a neighbor to a Korean family and he's completely racist like awfully racist and not that racism <laughs> is not always awful but he's just an extreme racist yeah and um and then the more he like spends time and the more he sees the family the like like it's like it's beautiful like how even though he's like reluctant to to really empathize and sympathize with the family he it's it's inevitable once once you really begin to understand them you know um and him and uh and the end of the movie is so tragic and there's there's gang violence and that's the whole plot and i just think that that really represents like what a proper movie should be attempting to communicate and then another one going back to linguistics of course is arrival with amy adams Mm -hmm. that i just find to be so beautiful and you haven't seen it right no i haven't i haven't seen gran torino either yeah wow how we shouldn't have made made that podcast (laughs) but um yeah and um I just think that both of those really spend time on what they should have spent time on when we're talking about directing and yeah. production and stuff like that. Um, but it, in, at, in a deeper way, be, and that made the story better. Mm-hmm. And that made the story more impactful. And there was this ending to Arrival where it was like this blues, like there was like a blue filter over the world almost. And it was like with wine and they were dancing and jazz music. And it was just her and her husband alone. And it was obviously this huge reveal at the end. But it was more than that. It was just like... Have you ever listened to And So It Goes by Billy Joel? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It felt like that ending, where it was, <laughs> like, so the cool. saddest thing ever, because it's just, like, and so it goes. Like, you know? Yeah. But in a way, know you but in a way, it's almost, like, optimistic, too. So it's just, like, and life, and life goes, you know? And it was just really so like deep. I know. I just kind of related to a color to a song. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry if this is not reaching any of the audience, but... <laughs> um, and I just found that to be, like, lovely. I literally yeah. cried on a plane, and I don't even cry with movies typically. That's, that's saying something. If you can cry on a plane, I know. that means a lot. I know. I was sitting movie. next to this guy, and I was just looking over to make sure. And then yeah. that made it worse, to be honest. Because <laughs> it was just like, he was like, okay, it's fine. Just leave me alone. <laughs> um, yeah, so what are some of your favorite movies? Um, that's a hard one. I The one, one that I always go to, I don't know why, is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I think it's like... Just really beautifully made. I really like that it's set in Chicago. I just have, obviously, my heart's in Chicago. But I think it's also so funny and says a lot about, like, I mean, it has messages about, like, teenagers and issues with, like, authority and things like that. But I think it's also just a great, like, enjoy life. And it's super funny. And I think, overall, it's just a super high-quality movie. Yeah. And, you know, not everything has to be serious. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Which, which I think is... A, not everything has to win an Oscar no, for it to be honestly, lovely. No, honestly, like, not every movie has to have, like, a super important message, you know? Yeah. Like, no, yeah, that's also important. Yeah, I mean, and it has good music, which <laughs> never hurts. Yeah, of course. <laughs> one of my, actually, one of my favorite coming-of-age movies is Palo Alto, Ooh. which is based off of a short story book by James Franco, actually. You're and all the movies I haven't seen. I've seen I know. <laughs> um, but... For some reason, so it's one of the best coming-of-age movies I've seen. I think it really captures... Um, the entire essence of, like, I think that a lot of the misconceptions that coming-of-age movies get at, like, 
this one completely reverses, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, cool. it's just very real. Like, the actor literally was cast. The director was at a dinner with the, like, as a family friend. And she was like, no, yeah, this kid, this kid represents what? the main character. You know what I mean? And it was just, it was set in his bedroom. And James Franco even picked the director from her photography portfolio, just his vision, you know? And it's just so wow. raw. And I really loved it. And But beyond that, like, I think that why I like it so much is that it's set in a place completely different from mine. And for some reason, like, a big motif in my writing and in my um, ideas and what I gravitate towards is geography mm-hmm. and, like, change in geography. Yeah. I just find that geography is, like, like using setting and using Palo Alto, for example, in this movie, mm-hmm. as, like, a character is just so... It communicates so much to me. Mm-hmm. It communicates an aura, a smell, a, like, colors in my mind, you mm-hmm. know? And I just think that... Ge- and obviously culture and 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 food and anything that comes with the geography and the literal landscape yeah. and it just adds so much to not only a story but a movie a film or any piece of writing mm-hmm. when you can connect it to a certain place because you you see i mean james franco grew up in palo alto you see that connection but at the same time i believe <laughs> but at the same time like it's universal, uh-huh. which is cool that you can, like, find... Even though I've, I known nothing about Palo Alto, and that's probably why I like it so much, um, I still completely think that it's an accurate representation of uh, the, like, coming-of-age teenagers, you know? Yeah, no, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so you had an experience over the summer. Oh, oh, oh I did. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I think that that kind of matches your whole uh, yeah. coming of age acting experience. All right. Um, I went to like a, a theater program over the summer and it was super cool. It was like five weeks and we got to stay in dorms and go to classes all day and then we... Big like, girl over here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, big college girl. Uh, and it was, it was really, really cool and great to like immerse myself in sort of like a right. college acting experience, which... Yeah, it was fun. And we did a lot of, like, you know, very, um, very dorky acting. <laughs> activities. I, I like, told her, I loved it. And I totally see, <laughs> I totally see the application. I'm, I'm not being sarcastic or anything, but in some, like, just, if you walked in on the room, it would look like an SNL. Oh, it looks literally crazy. It, it would look like an SNL. Yeah. yeah. It's great. But it's, it's great. Yeah. Like, you'll have people walking around the room, literally just, like, screaming and doing random, like, it's yeah. just, it's the weirdest thing ever. But we, we did this one activity that was, like, we all had to, and it was, it was about making connections and listening to your partners when you're on stage and in, in acting in a scene, but we basically, he didn't tell us what was going on, our teacher, but we picked a partner and then we sat down he was like, I want you to make eye contact. Mm-hmm. And then he continued to say, I want you to make eye contact for 45 minutes. Oh, lovely. And we never broke eye contact. And it was like this whole thing where we had to like. That's a lot of intimacy for our It was so much age. intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. Lot of eye con- like, a was- lot of confronting your I- like yeah. inner. <laughs> inner self right there oh, oh yeah it was it was a lot but it was it was fun yeah we did a lot of really cool stuff it was and then was what about, awesome. what was that race one? Oh yeah so we got to do these electives too um yeah. and so one of the electives that i took was race and performance mm-hmm. which was so cool and we just talked a lot about like we talked about cultural appropriation and what it means especially in the theater like the the setting of theater yeah and then we talked about like be like uh, like ha- the importance of having roles that are specifically for people of color right. and for minorities and having those roles not be you know like a sidekick yeah or the I just you know having it be a substantial character and having plays that are made all for people of color and just like the importance of having that setting in the the theater world um especially because it is such a strong communicator um and it was yeah it was really really cool and we had a lot of like really great discussions about 
celebrities and you know current politicians and things that were going on in our world and yeah it's really cool yeah that's interesting yeah. do you think that what do you what do you um think about like the current controversies within like the entertainment industry and stuff like that so we can talk about mm. the me too movement we can also mm. talk about just representation in general and how that affects society yeah well i think i mean with the me too movement it's crazy like obviously the numbers of people that are coming out and right. it's just it really makes you realize and of course this this is um uh, a job, a workforce of people that are in the public eye and yeah. are famous, right? So when they come out, it's this whole thing and they have a whole Twitter following people that are going to support them and things like that. But so it's like, this is just like one representation of all the jobs out there where yeah. someone can be in power and then totally abuse that power. Yeah. And yeah, it's just crazy. And so like, it's... And it's, it's also, it's so sad because it's not like oftentimes like you really have to be so brave to come because it's oftentimes not like your decision no you will lose your job yeah which affects your entire family affects where you live affects your entire reputation in the industry yeah like to put your entire life like work on the line and not just like it's it's not that selfish it's literally like putting all that you've worked for, everybody that's invested in you and your entire family and friends, like in, in like not just in the public eye, but like on the line, just in purely losing your job. And, oh, it's and yeah, it is, and especially it is beyond, get- it is beyond brave. Like right. it really, Whoa. and, and because, because that, I mean, gets at the inherent like power structure of mm-hmm. any, of any community, right. whether yeah, it's exactly. how small it is, you know, a household or an entire, like the Hollywood industry, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, um, Oh shoot! I had a thought. Oh wow! That's so impressive. Ah no! Oh, I was just gonna say about the bravery thing. I think it's also like we. So there's this whole thing of like, well, how can you trust women when they come yeah. out? Because it's been all these years. But it's like, how can you expect women to come out if when they come out, we treat them like this and we tell them, no, you're lying. Yeah. Like that's why people aren't coming out, and that's why it takes so much I, time. Yeah, I think that there's something to say. Um, like. Just to make it clear to the audience, like, I yeah. fully appreciate, like, the entire process of, like, like law and order. Course, and it's right. not that, like, we are going to jump to conclusions with, no. like, everybody. It's but just, just an it's, su- it's support, it's just, um, it's just supporting, like, um, the, like, both sides and like so trying mm-hmm. to like trying to really get at the core of the mm-hmm. issue as a whole and mm-hmm. through that that means that you cannot elicit fear within like potential yes. like people who will like come out as victims exactly. you know what i mean and so that's that's why to me it is so important to not necessarily ostracize people who come out exactly because it because that gets at the root of like further victims who have the who may be thinking about coming out you know what i mean because there is no one there is no way of proving unless you have of course like biological evidence yeah. that something like that happened if it, especially if it's been so long yeah. so the only the only solution to that answer it, or the only solution to that question issue is that you have people come out and say what happened yeah. right when it happened um and the only way that that can happen is if there's a real societal change where we just we really under like are empathetic to those yeah. people and believe them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that there's, I think that not only is, you know, just what's your favorite actor, what's your favorite movie, um, there's something, like, really interesting, like, with what's behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Like, the relationships for me, I'm not sure why, but, like, the relationships between the writers and between the, between, like, the whole, like, 
to me, that's just as much of a story. Oh, like, 100%. how that story was created, why that story was created. Yeah. Like, I, f- I found, um, I read um, Capote, or in cold blood when uh-huh. i was a sophomore and truman capote and i read and i watched capote and it was first of all a magnificent magnificent performance but also yeah. like just watching his relationship with harper lee um who wrote to kill a mockingbird and like and his just his personality traits and like harper lee was almost a recluse except for she was really close with Capote and I just mm-hmm. why and why did Capote he was almost in love with Perry you know the one of the like um uh murders in the yes. in the yeah. case and stuff like that and he was investigating it but at the same time like presenting this anti-hero in such a in such a sympathetic light and it's it, it really like it really transformed my view on like how how you can Created how a story is not just a story. There's a historical context. There's a mm. even a literary context. Yeah. There's there's obviously a cultural context, and with all those, and I even see that with SNL, mm-hmm. with um like the different like writers' rooms and and Lorne and like all of the different politics behind SNL and how to become a member of SNL and stuff like that and where people go from there and how people are always supporting the other careers of Saturday Night Live members and stuff like that. I just find it to be so intriguing just behind the curtain. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know what to respond to that. No, I, I mean, I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, I think that like... It's just such a cool process of that and, like, where those stories come from. And, like, like what you said about the, the time frame thing, just a thought that passed through my head. I don't know that it has to do that much with, like, behind the camera. But was that, like, I think it's also interesting because you come up with a story, right? Like, someone, like, the writer or something come up with a story yeah. and then they sell it to the director. And especially with, like, like, in plays, they have to use word for word. But, like, directors, they can just take it and use it how they want. And then, so then their their messages and their experiences getting poured into that. And then you set it into something like a different time frame. Like, the time frame that you set it in will then have such a big impact on, like, what it means. Like, a coming out story, like, Love, Simon is obviously very different than a coming out story would have been in, like, 1960. Yeah. Like, that just sends a different message, which is, like, which is so cool to think about. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, and, like, also just um, uh, in general, like... There, I was just so intrigued by, um, like, oh, the, I was reading, um, um, everything that rises must converge, Ooh. and basically, um, Flannery O'Connor, she had another author write her like, um, uh, interlude or, oh, yeah. or and like, um, and <laughs> prologue. <laughs> prologue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. Um, and and it was just talking about. He was just talking about how. He was a, he let her into her, his like white farmhouse, like just, you know, rural area. And she would, she she lived there for the summer and lived in um, like the upstairs or attic. And she would, I think she was either cleaning the house or something to live there. And then she would come down at night and have wine and conversations. And he just talked about how she had such an interesting mind and how she would stay upstairs for so long and then come down and have these like wonderful conversations. And I think that like, for some reason, I'm so attracted to, like, you know, in Hamilton, like, I want to be in the room where it happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, to me, like, the writer's room isn't the room where it happened. Mm. You know? Ooh, that's interesting. Like, it's where just... Where would you say that it is? No, I'm saying, like, it's those conversations, it's those mm-hmm. long nights, like, yeah. that created, like, who she was and why she wrote all those, like, incredible short stories. Yeah. You know? Well, so... And, and the same goes for acting, like, 
just as far as when you're when you're creating a character like so much of so much of who that character is comes from just like that person's life story and the the experiences they've had and like yeah the long night conversations they've had that have like changed them and then that's that'll change what they see in those words that they're given which is cool yeah um you also in your experience over the summer like went to go see a play that really impacted you yeah oh guards of the taj yeah yeah i love it was it was crazy it was um the story of basically these two guards of the Taj Mahal. Taj, is it Taj Mahal? Yeah. When it's being built. Sorry. <laughs> when it's being built. And then basically once it gets built, um, the the workers want to walk through it and see, see its beauty. Um, but the king decides that he never wants anything beautiful to be built again or anything as beautiful to be built again. So he sets these two lowly guards to go and cut off the hands of all of the workers. Um, and I think it's something like wow. 10,000 people. Yeah. So that, so that that is like maintained that way. And, um, uh, it's really, it's really amazing because there's only two characters mm-hmm. in the play and, um, it's, it's all set in this one like super stark setting and it's just the writing is just so incredible and a really cool thing about it that I love and it's also very gruesome because they do show like all the blood and they're wading through blood and like soaking it up and um but it it has such an emotional impact and they also do this really cool thing where it's it's set in India um in I a long time ago but they have the actors speaking in like wow that's so I know a long time ago a long time ago I really don't know (laughs) the history of the Taj Mahal we're really trying to work to be specific (laughs) with proper nouns but (laughs) um but they but they speak in like modern colloquial English almost like Hamilton yeah no totally so then it's like you could say like there's the argument why didn't they go with accurate English like or the like why didn't they try to have accents stuff yeah. like that but it it goes back to that you're not trying necessarily to share accuracy you're trying to share a message you're trying to share a right, truth right yeah. so it's all just communicating that and I think that way you're able to relate to the audience so much more clearly yeah um which is yeah which is really really cool and I, I mean it. that's exactly what Lin Manuel Miranda said about Hamilton how he was really he really came at that crossroads because he was obviously it was a play about the founding fathers mm-hmm. and alexander hamilton but like with like rap and jazz yeah. and all yeah. of these different languages i mean <laughs> um music like genres yes. that are, like oftentimes associated with minorities and so he's like w- like the, the, it was set with a bunch of like sh- like white men you yeah. know and and so he was really he really came to that crossroads in like questioning um like how that story would play out with costumes mm. and so he was like I'm not sure should they like have like those white wigs or what like what really oh, what really should would capture and re- and make you believe that these are the founding fathers but also make you see that it's applicable to today's yeah, society yeah, as well yeah. Like see the and in yeah it. yeah and so he def he ultimately and him and his costume designer ultimately decided on um below the neck being um uh, from the past right. and above the neck being like current culture and stuff like that, and so it's very like I never above that. yeah above the neck was self expression and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I just found that super interesting and also relatable, <laughs> and yeah. if that makes sense yeah um oh, that's really cool yeah I know, <laughs> and the um yeah I literally bought the book I straight up know everything about <laughs> that's awesome like that's not that's so that's not even that's a very basic thing to even do <laughs> now but I I'm still nerdy about it and I don't care. <laughs> embrace it yeah I really <laughs> Michelle Obama called it like the greatest piece of art like ever <laughs> and Michelle Obama is right yeah I know Michelle Obama <laughs> I know um and so okay 
One of the last things I wanted to talk about was just inappropriateness and like that role, like in um, in uh, like the entertainment industry again. I know we were talking about some of the issues with it. What do you think about like some of the controversies, like like nudity, or we can go back to swearing. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's an interesting question. Um, I think I mean as far as swearing goes. It's it's tricky because I really, like I said before, I have weird things about swearing. I don't really understand why it has to be negative. But I do understand that there are people that firmly believe that, like, swearing is bad. And you just, you don't want to cut out a percentage of the population for really no reason. I mean, unless it serves, a, like, a real... Um, yeah, I think that there it could serve a purpose. Right. If it serves a purpose, then that's great. And I think it does because it shows how you communicate and stuff like that. But if it doesn't, then you then you could potentially be cutting out, like, you know, if you have more than two F-words, F-bombs, whatever, then you... It's not... It's R, right? I'm pretty sure that's yeah, how it works. Yeah, yeah, So, like... And the same goes for nudity. Like, I think... I think that it is, like, okay as long as... Well, first of all, it's can totally consensual. Like, I have heard that not not every set is like that they'll tell yeah. someone that they won't show their show nudity and then they do really or, yeah and they'll make executive decisions so you just have I'm to unfortunately like, not surprised by that but no, i just didn't know uh, right yeah. yeah um it's it's eye-opening though and like so you like for actors they have to be really careful about like when they sign a contract clarifying that so like consent good thing but also <laughs> i think that it goes the same way i think as long as it's serving a purpose which i think it can right um then i don't and then i don't see the problem with it but yeah it's just the issue of cutting out like a percentage of your viewers which is tricky right um yeah so i just wanted to wrap it up that was awesome conversation yeah <laughs> Nora's one of my best friends so i just kind of wanted to start it out with her she um as you can tell we definitely banter sometimes sorry about that but um and I just wanted to finish it up explaining the music situation. The first ch- song is a, one of my favorite songs, like, of, like, currently. So the, the opening intro song that I play is more of a song recommendation. And then the last song is something that I um, associate with the, my guest or the person that I, um, like, invited on the show. I just define guest for you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, and this next song is Grace Kelly by Mika. Thank you so much for coming thank on. We'll, you. we'll have an outro and everything yeah. later. But uh, thank you for listening. Um, next week will be... Thank you be, for having me, Olivia. Yes, it was of super course. fun. <laughs> um, next week we'll be with another guest, Neil, and we'll be talking about gentrification, Indian culture, and whitewashing. So Ooh. stay tuned. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> The last time we talked, Mr. Smith, you reduced me to tears. I promise you it won't happen again. Do I attract you? Do I repulse you with my queasy smile? Am I too dirty? Am I too flirty? Do I like what you like? I could be wholesome, I could be loathsome, guess I'm a little bit shy. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me without making me try? I try to be like Chris Kane.